Alright, welcome back to an episode, guys, of Anime House. Today we're going to do an episode on Odd Taxi. Uh, recently, we went over the spring season, and we went over a spring season anime that we did, Shadow's House. But we also wanted to cover Odd Taxi. We felt like this was the sleeper show of the season. But honestly, amazing show. Like, overall, amazing show. So I think I'll let Francisco start, and then we'll go from there. It's a dark horse, or how how do you how do you call that the dark sheep, the black? I don't know. Anyway, you know what, no one expected the show. It was sure. uh, it was like Beastars first season. It was like super underrated. No one really knew about it, and then it just blew up out of nowhere because it got, like it went to Netflix and it got really like popular. I'm hoping Attack. Wait, it's on Netflix. Beastars, yeah. Oh, Beastars, you mean? Oh, okay, I thought Attack. No, no, okay, yeah, saying, yeah. Like, it's similar to Beastars in the way like. Beastars was like the first season was also like a dark horse. No one knew about it, or no one knew how good it was. And then they watched it on Netflix and they were like, "Whoa, this is amazing!" So hopefully, Odd Taxi gets that treatment down the line. I yeah, this is definitely one of those shows that if you mentioned that you really like it, I'd be surprised that you like it for one, and that you saw it because there's a lot of these anthropomorphic animal shows, right? They're popping up that are just really solid. I mean, Beastars is just really good, and this is also really good. And then. Our friend Mahmood mentioned on BNA, which I also watched, and I thought that was pretty good. So so far, I've only had positive experiences with these um, with these shows, and you know, each one of the of them does something different with the whole aspect when it comes to you know why they're using these characters, you know, with animals representation with beasts. We mentioned that's pretty. There's a lot of interesting things concerning what it means to be masculine, um, you know, how you're born, not having to feel any guilt for being born the way you are and then bna tries to do something something similar but yeah, it's bna still really cool it's a trigger show but then this one this one did something really cool in that we learned why well i mean first things first spoilers right yeah as usual uh, if you have not watched the show please watch it um however if you do not care about spoilers and want to know more about the show with spoilers then feel free to keep listening we'd love to have yeah. you here but yeah, but um, the show for one, like, we might as well just give um a, a premise or a feedback or a, a rundown of what the show actually is about. I think I should, I'll, I'll let you do it because I feel I might flub it. Okay, uh, I actually just finished uh, at the time of recording. I just finished the uh, season today, so I can definitely go over it really quick. So Odd Taxi has a really interesting premise. Uh, if anyone's familiar with Bacchanal, very similar to that. And so, basically, we follow the main character, Odakawa, because I say Hiroshi Odakawa, and we follow him in his taxi, and we see him interact with a lot of different people, Yano, Dobu, Enji, uh, etc., the Daimon brothers, etc., etc. Uh, for those who don't know who they are, watch the show, and then it'll make more sense. Uh, if not, just keep listening to us, we'll explain more about those characters. But we see him, the walrus, interacting with all these different people throughout the entire show and his taxi. And how he is almost like the centrifugal point, but also how everything is connected in one way or another. And it becomes like a very interesting thing. It's like a puzzle. Watching the show to me is like a puzzle because like... The show can go in so many different ways. For those of you who watched Bacchano, you'll definitely relate to this. That, like, we see the lives of all these different characters, 
but it's so cool to see it all kind of how it pieces together and how it relates and how each character impacts the other to make to really drive the narrative and the plot um so yeah that's the show that's a that's a really quick premise i guess definitely quick premise but there's a lot of cool interesting takes or interesting choices from the producers of the show and deciding to have the entire show because there's a ton of characters and fortunately because of the nature of the show how you know they're all anthropomorphic animals it's really easy for us as the viewers to understand who's who because it's very they have they have very unique character designs that's that lets us understand hey if, if we can't even remember the name we can always refer to them by the animal that they're meant to represent right for example dobu is you know the uh, primate you have walrus, which is all the kawa. You have the um, gorilla, which is the doctor and stuff like that. So it's really easy for us to know who's who and who's talking about what. Even with the large cast. But what's great about the whole, the fact that he's a taxi driver and the fact that he's in a city is that it's a very noir, noir kind of genre. And, you know, because it, it, take, it takes place in the city usually during different times. I mean, the entire show, I, I feel that it runs for six months throughout the 13 episode duration. I, I remember this because um, there, there was an episode that took place in Halloween, right? And then after a couple, a couple episodes, we find out that it's reaching Christmas. So definitely there's a, there's a huge time gap. And I think we actually, I mean, I didn't, I didn't go back to see how long it actually takes, but something that's really cool about the show is this, there's a lot of different moving parts and that we're able to understand or we're able to see these different parts from the taxi driver's perspective, which is almost a dying... I mean, I, it's weird to say it's almost a dying um, profession, right? Because we have Uber drivers and whatnot. But the taxi driver, as we know him within our taxi, you know, the one with the yellow taxi and whatnot, um, that doesn't really exist anymore because of services like, uh, what's it called, Uber. But it's really romanticized in the way that there's a person whose only job is to drive different people from this one city and seeing how all of their lives are separate, but yet tied uniquely together you know do from the city from the fact that they exist in the same in, in the same location and from this underlining really dark heavy tone that comes with the nightlife or with the idea of a city and that you don't necessarily know who these people are and what their intentions might be because one of the biggest mysteries throughout the entire show is this whole disappearance of um of a particular person that was last seen in our main protagonist's car because you know which is why he's one of the main centerpieces in the beginning. And, you know, eventually he gets involved with the more dark criminal organizations involved with the city because, you know, people are want to, there are people, there are different forces within the city that want to find this missing person. And the last piece that they know is that she was last seen in Arakawa's car. And he remembers exactly who he is because he has a peculiar, peculiar trait that he's able to just recognize people instantly. By their silhouettes or whatever, he just automatically knows who they are, which is, which at first I didn't actually think it, it was going to be a huge plot point, but then interestingly enough, it really did become a very significant piece to understanding Arakawa and his particular, um, to understanding Arakawa as a character in general, honestly. So, but the idea that there's some there's something in the back that we're trying to piece together, and then Arakawa just existing in this, you're brought you're brought into this amazing amazing set piece, and seeing throughout the different reviews, I know Nikhil mentioned that it's very similar to you know Dwarra and whatnot, but it's also very similar to Quentin Tarantino films, and you know that's actually I, yeah, wanted, I wanted to actually discuss that real quick. Um, yeah, yeah, 
if anyone is familiar with the 1974 movie Chinatown, it's very, oh. very, very similar to that. And that's just, a like, art noir setting. Yeah. Um, Chinatown is actually considered to be one of the greatest films of all time, and the ending is super, super, super similar too. And so when I watched the show Autopsy, I was actually strongly reminded of films like Chinatown. And I think it was like kind of amazing to see the Hollywood aspect or the Hollywood symbolism within the show. And like while the show was very Eastern in terms of like how it was written and like the way the characters like develop, it was still a very it still felt like a very Western show. And I say that because like it's very similar to movies like Chinatown and movies like Citizen Kane. And I think that was like brilliant. And that and I personally believe that movies like Chinatown and Susan Kane have some of the greatest Hollywood writing I've ever seen in terms of film. And so seeing that in an anime only makes like the writing and the characters that much better. And I think it's so cool to be able to see that. And like I just wanted to highlight those similarities. And specifically with Chinatown especially, because I think Chinatown and that neo noir kind of feel in a Japanese anime setting is very unique but also somewhat different. Like we see this in Bakuno, we see this in Durara, we see this in like different anime, but I think in Odd Taxi it does it so well because it doesn't really, like it. the, the premise, it takes that on its head in a way by using animals. And so it's something that you kind of like are softly like akin to, but not really, not truly understanding what the motives are until the very end, which I enjoy. So Yeah. I think definitely the new noir film and the the the, the reason why I mentioned Quentin Sorrentino and, and I see a few reviews here on the whole Crunchyroll site talking about how it feels like a Quentin Sorrentino. It has to be because of the dialogue that Arakawa has with most of the cast, you know, because we see Arakawa's perspective and we follow him. But the way that he responds to people is very rude, and it's difficult for me to even say rude because some of them even. For example, Goroki, his doctor, they did meet and he was really rude to him. But he, there's a charm about Arakawa that is interesting because he comes off as really confident and i'm just thinking and i'm just sitting here thinking these conversations cannot be real because they're so perfect they're so very cheeky there's a lot of banter going along and me as a person i don't think i would ever be able to deliver such a conversation with anyone ever because i feel that that would require me to understand the person or just to be able to bounce back and forth but arakawa goes out of his way just every single conversation he just nails it out of the park and it's great because you actually understand why he's able to be so detached from these conversations and yet remain super calm closer to the end of the actual series it goes back to him not actually well it goes back to the fact of um how Arakawa sees everything, pretty much, and I think one of the most interesting and one of the beginning of the mo- one of the most interesting interactions he had, especially so something that really sold me was when he was interacting with Dobu, which is pretty much one of the main. I guess it's a good opportunity for us to go through the entire cast or attempt to go through the cast. And one of the best ways we could probably do this, in addition to mentioning their names, we can actually mention the animals that they are. So. It's a very large cast, and I guess we can probably separate them into various different groups. The, yeah, the quote-unquote good and the quote-unquote bad, and their relation to Odakawa, I think, is also kind of important. You have um, the Mafia folks, and within the Mafia folks, you have Dobu, which is one of the primates, and you have his um, 
his not his senpai, his kohai, right? His underclassman, Yano, and they're effectively rivals. And the main plot later on down the line actually deals with how Arakawa manages to pretty much get both of them to go to jail while managing this huge because because eventually this is someone someone that he drove a car with wins the lottery because they asked him for numbers and those numbers ended up being the jackpot so that was really interesting and, and it got the mafia involved with you know wanting to get the money because part of dobu and yano's job is to give money to their boss but in addition to that um you have the drawback of who this missing person is right and as far as people are aware, he got involved with the mafia or you know, the sketchy people because they were trying to get the, the dash cam camera for, you know, the information footage. And most everyone actually thought he took it. I mean, uh, he, you know, he abducted the missing person. And for a while, the show runners and the directors, decide, you know, were misleading us into making us think that maybe he did take them because slowly but surely the doctor and there was a different plot going on that something is inherently different about Arakawa mentally that's, that makes him so that you know he's having issues sleeping he's he can remember people's faces really well and it just uh, it was it was setting off flags that that Arakawa is in a unique situation and then the fact that there was a lot of suspicion going around with the with the fact that there's a missing person and people got his dash camera and that he was talking to something within his um his closet made us think that maybe he did abduct her or maybe in the first, he doesn't come off as a bad guy. So we're thinking that maybe he abducted her or she, because the conversation that he had with the person in his closet. And I think episode one was that I'm not forcing you to stay here. You can leave whenever you want to making us think that maybe she threatened him or something to have her stay. Right. I was thinking that maybe it was the abducted person or maybe it's the missing person, which gets a lot of, um, suspicion to him well not suspicion because from that conversation we felt that even if he did abducted her it was probably because she was in an awkward situation and she needed a place for refuge right and eventually we learn and eventually it goes on and we start thinking that maybe maybe he's not the most trusted person but that honestly only lasts for a couple of you know it's not huge but what i'm trying to say he ends up helping the mafia members and then eventually as people go on and as people are very curious about understanding who this missing person is there's a bunch of other folks that are involved with them and it's a giant mystery that gets up end up unfolding throughout the entire series and i know i kind of gave a rough rundown because i only actually mentioned two parties the hospital party the slight mafia party i didn't even mention his love interest and then there's the police people who are involved with the mafia folks and then and then there's the um, there's the uh, the idol group that yeah. yeah that eventually we learned that the missing person was involved in the idol in the idol group, and spoiler alert she's actually dead which I kind of was very sad to learn about at the last episode or not the last well, episode I feel like that was kind of a given like we we all knew she was dead I I was holding off I was holding off man I actually thought she might have been alive because just eventually I got kind of attached to the person that she was. I don't know how that happened, Ooh, but yeah. I was really sad that, you know, this person is gone, which is great because not that doesn't really happen often. And this, this is yeah. a good, I definitely want to talk about that last uh, sequence of scenes, actually. Yeah, that last uh, scene's insane. The last episode was harrowing, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um, is there something you want to touch up? Because there's a, diff, there's a lot of different plot points that we can probably, and we shouldn't try to get everything, of course, but there's, we should definitely touch on things that we think are really cool. To clarify before we continue, um, obviously, Autaxi has so much. Like, getting into it would be crazy. And, like, 
obviously we can't get into everything, but we'll definitely hit on like I think some important ones. And Francisco, you mentioned this really cool like you mentioned some of your favorite dialogue conversations were between Nobu and Odakawa, right? Yeah, for sure. There were mine as well. And specifically my favorite dialogue conversation was the one about death. Um where Odakawa was like, Oh, like he was like, I'm not like he was never he was never truly scared to die unless the mo- until the moment it hit him that he was going to die. And I think that in of itself was very interesting. And in a way almost serenely beautiful. Um where he was like, If you wanna kill me, kill me. Like I know I'm scared. Like I don't wanna die, but you're and you're putting me in a position where I can't do anything about this situation, so I'm ready to die if need be. And I think that was so interesting. And then this is an ode to the last episode where he huge spoiler takes a taxi off the thing and then jumps into the water. And then we know from learning about his family and his family history that that is how his parents pretty much committed suicide. And that's how he was about to die. But then his love interest saved him. Um, So I think this whole, like, premonition of death within the show is so interesting because it's very, like... And I think this is a I think this is a good way to put it. Um within a lot of philosophical texts and within a lot of like philosophical texts about death, you see this idea of like one shouldn't like fear death, one should just accept it, but understand that fear is innate and almost something that like naturally comes to people in the face of something like dying. And it was really predominant within this show, and I think Odakawa was like the perfect character because it's so logical. Um I mean, within the scope and the premise of the show, obviously. He was detached. He, I feel like that's the appropriate way. Cause... Yeah, he was detached. He, he didn't care. Because, like, once you learned about his past trauma and what he's been through, it made sense. Until then, like, it was, like, kind of a shot in the dark of, like, okay, why is he doing what he's doing? Obviously, we as the audience member were always confused because we didn't know his full motives. Even though we were pretty much, the show was looking through his eyes. But in the last episode, we were able to see, like, why he was the way he is. And I think that's so, that's so cool. And that's why I love those conversations he had with uh, the Nobu. monkey, Nobu, yeah. Literally about, like, death and, like, like why he chooses to do what he does. Because I think it's very interesting. He's a very logical individual. Yeah, for sure. One of my favorite things that Orokawa mentions or says, that says a lot about him as a character was that there was this moment where people asked him what he wants in life or something like that and he said he doesn't want anything that's more before his current status if that makes any sense do you remember that yeah and i thought that was really interesting because he's not someone with insane amount of ambition right he just wants to live a very quiet life, similar to a very famous um, serial killer from um, JoJo Part Four. But um, but uh, he also doesn't want to have more than what he feels he deserves because we learn eventually because of the situation concerning his parents and their suicide. From Arakawa's standpoint, until a certain point of the story, we actually didn't know that they committed double suicide. Um, Arakawa told you know his close friends Goreki, the doctor, that. They left him, so he was abandoned, pretty much, which isn't a lie. It, in retrospect, it's not inherently a lie for the kind of parents that they were, uh, but it's not the truth. And 
he lived a life where he was getting he was able to live because of a certain um benefactor that gave him you know made, gave him the resources to live he was able to get a house and he was fine he was actually in a better position he he said it himself after the accident with his parents and he felt that life was looking up but he also felt that he wasn't worth a lot and progressively attempted to do what he can because he doesn't see himself very highly except that's really cool because he's a really cool character because he doesn't see himself very highly but he also doesn't allow other people to look down on him if that makes any sense yeah he just he stays in his own lane exactly yeah that's a very good way of putting it yeah i i mean there's a lot of symbolism behind the whole taxi thing going for this entire show and I think it's really cool. I don't know. I really, I really like Arakawa as a character. He doesn't even look all that cool. I just think he's just really... Yes, he, he has so much... He resonates so much good energy. If that makes any sense. He's just, he just very, lied. very... Yeah, he very lied. Chad. <laughs> he yeah. Um, he has a lame friend, though. The the AG guy. The um. Uh, I don't think he's lame at all. I think it's he's so sad. He's um, pathetic. And I really like his character for that. That's the thing. I don't even think he's pathetic. Really? I think he's a sad character. Like... He's the, oh my god, okay. So I think that the, the that's the monkey dude, right? Yeah, um, yeah, it's the other monkey. There's a three the monkey. other monkey. Uh, he, he never ticked me off, made me angry, or made me, like, I always just felt really sorry for him, because he was a character that was, like, he struggled, he, it was very clear, he struggled a lot in life, he was, he was very ambitious, he could never reach any of that. He had a lot of pressure put on him, and the character that we were given was never able to amount to pretty much anything. And then when he was almost able to, by marrying this chick... By lying to her, yes. By lying to her, uh, he screwed it up. And so, I mean, he's someone that I felt like, in a weird way, was like, it's just sad. I don't know, like... To some extent, like relatable, I think to a lot of yeah, people. yeah. I think I agree. I I saw myself a lot in him, but um, I I did enjoy seeing him get his face bashed, though. That's um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna deny it. I it was indifferent, but um, I yeah, I don't know. I think he was a good character, and I think this brings me to my next point, especially about Ah Taxi and how it was written. I think in a lot of different character-driven narratives, it's really the characters that drive the plot. And in this case, the characters are the plot, right? Yes. And I think that's what makes Odd Taxi, as a show, very unique. And even within the scope of shows like Bakuno, which I've only really watched six episodes of. I have, I'm halfway through, dropped it, long story. And um, and Durara, I think you have these characters that were given, and obviously it's like a puzzle piece, you put it together, blah, blah, blah. I think with an odd taxi, I think it's even more special because you see these characters as animals, and within that anthropomorphic realm, you see them in a different lens. I think when I see humans, and then when I see animals, it's like two different things, right? Because I see myself relating to the humans more than I relate to the animals. But then you have shows like Beastars, you have shows like Odd Taxi that do a really, really good job at not only successfully showcasing how these anthropomorphic animals can be relatable, but then writing really good stories around these characters to kind of show that the way we view a certain thing, there's like more than what we just see. Like there's more than there's more to the eye than can see, I guess is a, is a good way to put it. 
And um, I think this is really clear, and not only in Odd Taxi, but also in a show like Beastars, too. And I, I bring up Beastars because it's a very popular one that's uh, everywhere right now. And so, as I watched Odd Taxi, I think one of the things that really stu- stu- uh, stuck out to me was the way the plot progressed through each of the characters and how within the plot, the plot was really the characters, and within the plot you had so many moving parts, but it all flowed like water because the characters were so well written. A show like this, and especially in like these like film noir types like series or movies, can fall flat really, really easily, or shows can fall flat extremely easily because they lack character uh narratives and they lacked and they can lack uh character like development what was amazing about the show i felt like was each of the characters we didn't need another backstories but they were developed over the course of the show but we never for once needed another backstories to make them excellent characters in fact we don't know any of their backstories except like two people and i think that's a pretty important point that shows how well the show was written and how how well it progressed the plot and the characters and the development of the characters. Where we didn't know need to know about their past. What we needed to know was their actions they were going to do. I think in a lot of character-driven narratives, I think we need to know about their past to really help understand and really relate to the characters. E.g. Vinland Saga, um, FMA, etc., etc. Autaxi did a really good job of not needing to know any of that to really appreciate and understand the characters. But I think it's a really, not only unique, but very, very interesting and good approach. And I want to emphasize, this is an anime original. This wasn't, this doesn't have source material. So that just makes the show better, in my opinion. The fact they were able to like pull this off. This is why I say this reminds me so much of Chinatown. Because like Chinatown has a very similar vibe, unique feel, and very character-driven. It's a very char- character-driven film noir sh- like movie. And that's why, I mean, it, it's won an Oscar. It's considered one of the greatest movies of all time, et cetera, et cetera. Taxi has a lot of semblance within that. And I think that's why it makes this show so enjoyable, at least for me, and why I was like looking forward to watching it, uh, the next episode, the next episode, the next episode. Because I wanted to see how these characters continue living their life. I didn't care about what they did. I care about what they do and what they will do. So, Yeah, definitely. Something that's really cool about I know you mentioned that there was two backstories that we got. I probably I think I'm seeing the chart right now. I think it might have been three, right? But one of the members of uh, Mystery Kiss and all. So oh. it's Mystery Yeah, the person from Mystery Kiss, Arakawa, and then Tanaka, the complete joker in the entire series. That guy I enjoyed his character a lot because he just brought something and the way that Arakawa was up effectively able to use him in his odd grudge that he just didn't understand he had against him was great um if anyone no one knows tanaka is this weird office worker who developed a grudge against arakawa because he was rolling he was playing a gacha game and he rolled a dodo that he was didn't realize he, he wanted to get and he's I don't know, he's a very troubled soul who got whose life was just completely demolished in this years ago when he was a kid after he got scummed out of um a hundred, a hundred yen or something, a hundred million yen. Thousand yen, which is the equivalent of like fifty. I looked it up. It was like equivalent around fifty thousand dollars. Um, he ruined his fucking parents. I I do want to emphasize though, his character is amazing because 
Tanaka? It shows, yeah, because it shows us um, human nature's innate greed for material wealth. And he literally emphasized that to the T. I think it's a bit deeper than that, or because I know Tanaka eventually was just for how many he was walking around for months because he found Dobu's gun, and because it's Japan, there's a, I think I believe there's a high gun gun restrictions. So not a lot of people have guns in general, and this is actually a big plot point when it comes to Durara. Eventually, in Durara, the color gang wars gets to a point where someone gets a gun, and that completely changes the actual dynamic and the powers structure to the point where. A single gun changes the entire battlefield. And I found that that was really interesting. The fact that Tanaka was the Joker called uh, Joker card. And he had, you know, Dobu's gun. And the reason why Dobu and Arakawa eventually ended up teaming up was because they had self, you know, they both have, they both had interest in working with each other because Dobu can, you know, one of the things Dobu can do, right, is that he can get his gun back from Tanaka. And if Dobu's there, Arakawa can, you know, Dobu said, I'll protect you from Tanaka in addition to a bunch of other conditions that was involved with them eventually working together and eventually which led to Arakawa sending Dobu to jail because he got shot from Tanaka, spoiler alert. And then, in the, you know, one of the, um, I think the last episode or the second, the pen- penultimo episode, but it was really cool. Tanaka, it's greed, right? But it's a different kind of greed. The reason why he ended up using all that money was that he wanted to fit in in his classroom because he was someone who never actually had friends. And his fall into madness was the fact that he was actually effectively a very lonely character. I feel, what do you have to say about that? Is that, a, is that an appropriate assessment? Because he was definitely alone throughout the entire series. I mean, yeah, he's a very lonely character, but I think in a way, like he was driven there because of his like lust after like material, like material goods, right? And like that drove him to be that way. Like, it, I don't think he was inherently that way. I think it was just, like, driven to be that way. Because he said, like, oh, there's a popularity structure, blah, blah, blah. Like, he literally could have just fit the mold and been fine, right? But he chose not to. He chose to chase this dream of, like, erasers. And then he chose, like, this gotcha game. And then he was like, well, sh- like, I screwed up my life because of me chasing this wealth, this, like, material wealth that just doesn't mean anything. Yeah, he definitely he dropped a lot of money in um gacha games, and then he just kept doing that, and that was his only sense of connection to anything. And that it has more to do with an obsession. I'm not too sure if it's wealth in general because he never actually wanted to get more money. He just was involved with the community. I'm I'm not I'm not completely sold on the fact that you know he's a very greedy character. A more there's a I feel like he's a bit more complex than that. I I I don't think he's a greedy character by any means. I think he is like. I think he represents what I think he represents to some extent like human nature of like wanting material goods to further like further their own like personal desires. I don't think he's a greedy character. I think he just embodies a lot of what human nature is, which is really unfortunate. And he's a complete parallel of our main boy, the walrus, because Odakawa is very like Stay in my own lane. I don't care about anything. I just care about like doing, like literally nothing and living my life. On the other hand, he has dreams, ambitions, hopes. He wants to, um, chase this like bag, <laughs> this like so-called bag that doesn't lead anywhere. And then he wanted to, like, get like really good at the Scotch game, right? He wanted to be number one. <laughs> he never got stuff. there. 
They never got there, yeah. Never got there. But I really liked Tanaka. I found that he was a very essential piece for the overarching mystery that was eventually... So I mean, eventually we do learn who who the missing person is, right? And eventually we do learn their connection to everyone and how mm-hmm. depressing it is. And I think you make a good point by saying that it's very similar to Chinatown because one of the five... I mean, Chinatown is very... The ending scene of Chinatown is iconic, right? It's a oh, very... Yeah. It's a huge cynicism going on. After, effectively, the protagonist ends up losing everything and just... Losing everything to Chinatown, which represents just the bios and everything that he just never wanted to go back into for humanity in general. When his partner said, are we going to do something like that? Are we going to do anything about it? And then he responds with, it's Chinatown. Yeah. And, and then the movie like, ends. There's no point. This is, yeah. this is just how it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And this story, while tech, it ended pretty kind of positive, too. It just uh, ended. Well, I mean. Arakawa, Arakawa, as far as he know, he was happy. But we know what happens to him. Well, we don't... Okay, so, like... Okay. Um. So it turns out that the former girl from the, from the girl band uh, was killed by the girl who was replaced by her. And we don't and know this until the end, yeah. We don't know this until the very end, like the last two minutes. And as she goes to... she. She talks to her, she's talking to her mother. She's walking down. She's like, yeah, I took care of her. I did this. I did this. I'm not going to let anything get in my way. And then she says the last thing she needs to take care of is the taxi driver. And then she gets in the taxi. We don't know what's going to happen after that. That was ambiguous. Again, it's like Chinatown where we see the, or it's like Citizen Kane where we see this very ambiguous ending. Very, very similar to Tarantino movies. Very similar to a lot of different like um, noir and older Hollywood films that ended very ambiguously for a reason, because it's supposed to represent like what could happen, and it leaves yeah. us as the audience. Because at this point, the entire show we were seeing it from Odakawa's perspective, right? At this point, we are no longer seeing it from his perspective. We're seeing it from like a third-party perspective of what could happen, and that's the scary part. Now everything has been thrown for a loop, and we don't know if he's gonna die. He's going to be alive. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. This, the final party that was involved, because at this point of the series, I was fine not learning who killed this person. And <laughs> it, it deals a lot with the fact that the missing person was a part of the idol group, you know, Mystery Kiss, right? And the Nikaido person, who was the main lead or the, you know, primary focus of the group, the reason that they ended up calling the the person who was missing or who ended up becoming missing to talk to them was that they she was going to beg her to not replace her as the main lead and if she didn't say that she was going to kill her but then she meets her at this at the um office and she's completely dead and then she ends up calling the mafia people that i mentioned right she calls you no know what technically she calls the manager and the manager's really invested into seeing the other group succeed and he gets in contact with the mafia group and the mafia group goes there and then you know the mafia group okay so Arakawa was working with Dobu and Dobu has a rival Yano and that group is the one that ends up helping Mystery Kiss hide the body by throwing it onto a lake right and that's how you know and right before this it was actually Arakawa who ended up dropping her off there so that's like that's how he is involved in this so this person goes away. We don't know how they died or anything like that. And later on, we learn that 
the member that replaced the missing person who killed her. And we're just sitting here thinking this is the serial killer that we were missing throughout the entire story because something that's really cool about these um very urban town areas is this um is that I don't because the serial killer is a very con it's a very um new kind of new concept when it comes to just humanity's history it's the fact that it can be anyone within an actual town or city and whatnot and you never know who they are and what's really great about this is that you see this force right here at the end it's this final player and it's finally in the situation where we don't see things through uh, Orokawa's perspective and it ends like that and I think it's really it's really interesting I I, I was really happy just not knowing what happened to her. I thought it was going to be, you know, that was going to be the open-ended question, but or the open-ended ending, whatever. But it actually turned out that it was this random person who just did whatever they could to just... They want, they, first, they wanted to join Mystery Kiss, and after they got this all, because it turns out that everyone found out that they were involved in hiding that body, she was able to get a new idol group, and effectively an idol group that was a lot more popular instead, you know. And like an arresting Ido, get rid of the other girl. It was crazy. She it was she when I don't know how she thought of all that. She only did two things. Well, okay, the first thing that she did was pester the manager to get her involved because she was like the fourth choice, right? But then she just kills a person, hides for about six months, and Odakawa was right the entire time. He was literally telling everyone. I didn't take her. I don't know where she is, but I took someone else. I know who I took. Everyone needs to listen to me. Because oh, if they, wait a if minute. they followed him and they followed what he said, they would have found out that she was the one who killed everyone. Okay, so I think I was missing out on that part. Because Orokawa was able to tell people apart distinctively, so they kept asking him, did you take her? And he said no, right? And they... Oh, okay, I understand what happened now. He took Mitsuya Yuki, right? The yeah. person who... The killer. He yeah. took her to the office, right? He was the one who... I mean, he didn't enable it. Like, he unknowingly took the killer to kill the... The victim. The other man. Did, he, did he take the victim, though? Or No, he never, no, he took, never the took the victim. He never saw the victim. He only saw the killer. Odakawa knew who the killer was from day one. But no one believed him. That was the crazy part. And then in the last episode, we find out that Odakawa was right all along. So literally, I missed that part. I missed that. They, if they, like, literally analyzed it and confronted her, they would have figured out that she was a killer. They never did, though. And that's why they were able to get away with all of it. It was crazy. Oh, so that's actually... Oh, I didn't I didn't realize that. I, I thought he took only the missing person because eventually oh, he no, does... Yeah. He never saw the missing person at all. He took the killer, and that's the craziest part. He does see the missing person once, right? When the when it's revealed after six, like five months after when they pick up the body from the um from the river, right? Yeah, he he says like I've never seen this person before in my life. I have seen the killer, uh, but I have never seen the person, and no <laughs> one believes him. I don't think he said he saw the killer, but he well, was highly he thinking. Saw, he, well, he saw the person who was a killer, but obviously. He did not. We were seeing it from his perspective. We and he did not know she was the killer. Oh, right, because he yeah. probably thought the missing person was her, right? Or yes, something. They look so similar, but he no, said, no, no. I don't. I think I don't think he would ever fall to the fact that they look similar. I think it was more that because he never there was never a picture release of how she looks. I think. No, no, I don't no, know. No. How did it go? He, how did it he, go? He, he knew. He knew who both of them were. 
uh, in terms of like differentiation, he said, in fact, in like episode eight or nine, he was like, I never look, I never took her in my, she never entered my taxi cab. This person. Oh, when he called Yamato, right? Yeah, he said, and someone else entered my taxi cab that looks very similar to her, but not her. And so he knew. Damn. But they, they didn't say anything because no one believed him. You know what else is crazy? He was on such a high at the last episode, and because of his condition was fixed, I wonder if he were, I wonder if he was able to differentiate the person that got into his cab as the killer. He has a tough time looking at girls too. That's and that, yeah, because of because of con- his condition was fixed, he couldn't. And I would imagine she's like really pretty because she was able to get into an idol group. Oh, dude, this guy got quote unquote fixed, and that's gonna lead to his end. Yeah, as sad <laughs> as that is. Yeah, it's um, it's cool. We're still. But, we're, I guess we can just hold off the fact of like what his condition is, not even even mentioned in this episode. I think it's really interesting mm-hmm. from um, just a, a design point of view. I think it's really cool because it allowed the animators to get by on not crazy insane quality of animation, right? But still very unique and enough to keep me entertained and engaged. Because of this decision. It's similar to a baby driver situation where the music is playing, but it's only playing when he's listening to it because of yeah. his, um, you know, whatnot. So whenever he doesn't listen to music, it, it cuts off. And actually this happens at one time. And it's very similar to how they were able to use that aspect of the character and make a very amazing directorial decision for their, world, their, 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 um, their actual world building involved in the, in the story. But I think it's great. I think it's very unique. I think it, it carries the show a lot when it comes to just um, foundational um, analysis. There's a lot going for it. Uh, but I think that's enough for that aspect of, you know, Arakawa's condition. What else is something you want to talk about? Because I, I didn't expect that we would spend so much time talking about this um, series. Well, it's definitely... It's good. It's great that it was an original, and it's great that it came out of nowhere. I know we kept talking about how last season was very stacked, and I think this is a very good... Um, I think uh, Odd Taxi in general is a very good result of what we we were hoping to see to find in this season. I really okay. First of all, I want to also touch on the OP and the ED. I think they're really good. I think the OP like, the OP is so vibey. I love it. Oh, um, uh, yeah. But it I also want to mention that this is if I had watched this during the spring season, this would have been my favorite anime. Um, but I'm still very happy I binged it because I felt like I wanted it more and more and more. So it allowed me to keep watching. Um, I think the show is fantastic overall. I, think it's, I mean, it definitely deserves the rating it has. It was an 8.8. Like, no, no question, it's like a 9. At least a 9 out of 10. Um, the writing is easily one of the most concise writings I've ever seen. And the ending is so satisfying. Because the ending was ambiguous, I wasn't mad about that at all. In fact, I was very happy. Because like the type of show it is... It doesn't need another season. In fact, I don't want another season of this. I am happy being left to my own devices and figuring out what will happen at the end. And I think this is a type of show that does that had so much like plot points, and the fact that it all got covered within 13 episodes is so impressive. So it doesn't need more. It was it was probably the most tightest written anime I've ever watched. It's just so well done. It's so like as an anime original. Even as an anime original, as plot writing, and as creativeness goes, this was, like, amazing. So, I mean, I personally cannot recommend this anime enough. I think it's so good. Yeah. 
I do want to mention that um, in addition to the OP, I really like the OP because it got me to just, I was really, oh, the OP is also super, um, what's it called? Spoiler heavy, eventually, when you realize who the person inside. You you understand, okay, so something about this series is that there was a lot of moments where a lot of characters said things that would I feel would have been prejudiced in their said universe, right? Yeah. And lots of hints to lead the viewers to understand what is going on that something is going on and that the way Arakawa speaks... I mean, he literally yeah. differentiated animals and people. Like, he's done that multiple times. Yeah, like, humans, he knows they exist. Animals, and then we, get, we, as the audience, get really confused. And we're like, Whoa. yeah. Like, you're yeah. Animal, does this work? It's like, are you, are you like... It got some... You can roll it in a way that you, you think that he's... He sees himself as higher, or he sees himself as detached, as some kind of higher social or... Like he's in middle school, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he, um, he literally put himself as a walrus because, and this is really sad because of his trauma and like because of the fact that he was bullied basically into be calling and called fat, and so he saw himself as a walrus and then he stuck yeah, with that. He did. And he he liked it. I mean, which is sad. Yeah, you're right. But it's habit. I do. So I guess you know, switching or making a quick. Quick, uh, quick. I want to mention Yano, the guy, the mafia member who just continues to rap until he's very, um, until he's he loses his composure. I he was annoying to me. He was annoyed. I don't, I don't know why I enjoyed his rapping so much. Even really, his introduction was cool too. I, I like that. Very interesting. He was, uh, he was slightly annoying to me. I kind of got tired of his rapping. Oh, I kind of got tired of his rapping after some point. Not gonna lie. I like how he was introduced. He just bumped into Arakawa and he just kept rapping and Arakawa was very confused. Like, okay, who are you, dude? <laughs> and he just leaves and he says, oh, I see you later, my boy. And he's just very confused thinking what just happened. And I think just... it's kind of cool that the Mafia boss is connected to like literally everything. The Mafia yeah. boss was connected to everyone and it was such a good moment when Arakawa confronted the Mafia boss. Yeah. That was that was really cool. Yeah, no, for sure. I really yeah. enjoyed yeah, it definitely wasn't one of those. I'm a, I'm super righteous and I'm gonna talk to you and whatnot. It just, hey, it was really sweet for the conversation they had. But yeah, I really liked I really liked that aspect. Uh, I think he was a good character. I like the mafia boss a lot. I like his rule: don't kill. It was, was cool. if anyone learns what that rule is, the entire. The entire organization just falls. Yeah, but they respect him so much that they don't. They don't say it. They would never say it. They'd rather die than, than say it. Yeah. And of course, he ends up telling Arakawa because in a way, they're kind of um, surrogate. You know, they have a fa- familiar relationship. Or at least Arakawa generally respects what he does with his money. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's one of... Because he's a mafia boss, so he definitely does shady things. But the money that the mafia boss has, you know, his um, disposable income, he invests into helping the people get out of strifes and Arakawa was one of those examples yeah like bad situations yeah yeah so it's just Arakawa cannot go up to him and say what you're doing is awful because he can never do that to the person he respects the most in the entire planet also I do want to mention um the differentiation of bad and good because in the show um they keep saying bad people you're a bad person you're a bad person but then you really like are they really bad like you see what they're doing like the mafia boss and he's like not really a bad like he's helping so many people 
And so, like, he's wrong, but he's not wrong. You know, you know the meme. Like, he's a bad guy, but he's not really a bad guy. Yeah, I get that. For sure. I mean, Dobu. Um, it got to a point where Dobu was really kind of fun to talk with, and then I enjoyed Dobu eventually. <laughs> yeah. Even even though he was. I don't know. He, he's a, he's a, not the best. I wouldn't want to be in a relationship with him. <laughs> Just putting it out there. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, he wasn't a bad character. I enjoyed his character a lot. Oh yeah. Oh, too the 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 voice actor for Yano, the rapping guy, is an actual rapper. <laughs> oh, are you serious? Yeah, he's, he goes by Meteor. That's, That's so funny. cool. That's pretty funny. But I mean, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I got. I think Autaxi is a great show. I think it's worth watching for everyone or anyone who wants to watch it. It was definitely the sleeper show of this last season, without a doubt. I think, I don't think a lot of people were talking about it and were not talking about how good it was. And I'm really glad I watched it. I'm really glad I watched it. Yeah. And um, I guess this is a good moment for us to switch into what we've been watching and or okay. maybe what we plan on watching. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Yeah, I'll go first. So I think today I actually I was looking for a fantasy kind of epic adventure series to read for a while now because I was I've been really feeling that kind of vibe, something and something like berserk or something deep, but a couple of long chapters that I can actually read. So I know I mentioned that I w- I was reading so so no freering, but I can't I, I wanted to continue to watch it or read another fantasy. And I got around to reading Her Summoner, which is a manhwa and it's behind a paywall technically, but I ended up reading it from a third party, whatever. But it's really good because it's one of those it's an isekai, so it's one of those situations where you get a hikimori or a shuddin get summoned to a different place, but they get summoned as a summon. So it's someone that you can pop in and pop out. And there's a lot of cool things because he gets so many. He's overpowered, right? But he still has difficulties talking to. Him. It's just the generic stuff. The art's really great, but I really wanted to see what kind of. I I was really into this whole fantasy vibe thing situation, and I was really looking forward to just seeing a situation where someone betters himself throughout the. You know, and this like a 111 chapters, and is what I read, and I really enjoyed it. It's really cool. It's a lot of. It's I don't know, I don't know how do I explain it. Well, I definitely love the relationship the two main leads have. And I for sure like the whole reasoning behind why he's so overpowered is that when people get summoned to this different dimension, the summon ends up using the mana from their initial universe. And because no one in our universe, right, in you know where me and you, Nikhil, live, as far as I know, knows how to use magic. So there's a lot of mana that no one uses. And he effectively has access to the entire tank. So 7 billion people and an entire planet of mana at his disposal. And he's able to pretty much go throughout the entire the entire story helping his summoner because she's, she, she can only summon him. So he's like the strongest spirit. And he ends up helping her. And as he goes along the route, because he, they end up following the um, threads left behind by the previous heroes when they were trying to learn what the secret behind or what why the, why the demon race or the demon population was increasing in numbers. And eventually we learned that the reason they're increasing in numbers is because, spoiler alert, the politicians and the people that are, you know, up there in the higher social class have been... So there's a... The mana itself is a natural resource, and they've been collecting it and hoarding the mana for themselves. So without mana, the um, 
the natural ecosystem of the entire planet cannot does not have enough resources to hold back the demon the demon invasion. So they just keep increasing in numbers because the demons are coming from a different dimension. And naturally, if there was free mana, you know, around the entire planet, the door to the dimension would be shut or it would, you know, be closed enough so that they wouldn't be an issue. But because everyone in the entire kingdom or everyone at least that's in the upper echelon wants to just hoard power, they refuse to let go of their um of their technology that pretty much is becoming a detriment to the entire you know, in the entire population. So the hero ends up learning about this and they end up learning that they need to effectively destroy these this technology to just, you know, give the entire planet a refresher or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool because some of the you see some of the heroes they end up there, you know, the previous heroes that they end up meeting and they end up like, you know, destroying or killing whenever because they get turned against humanity in general. They could turn into demons and whatnot. And eventually you meet this single like elf person or not an elf person, but like a species like that. Who's they're so they've been like in front of this gate for fifty years, so they're completely drained now. But they've they've been doing one thing, and that's just holding the gate closed or as close as they can. And they meet them, and she's like, "Have you? Did you bring back good news?" And then they they respond it's like, "We how long have you been here?" It's like, I, "I've been here for like fifty years." Um, did you tell everyone what's going on? And then they tell her that no, they they didn't tell the people what was going on because they wouldn't have believed them. Because people wouldn't have accepted that they need to destroy these relics that they've been using to collect mana to help stop this demon race. As far as they were aware, that was probably never going to happen. It's like going up to America and saying you should stop using um, oil, for example. That That's just not going to roll. Hmm. So it's very, I mean, it's, it's that itself, you can, it's pretty easy to see where it's coming from, right? This whole, but I really enjoyed just the story and the art's crazy. It's really pretty. The backdrops or something else. I don't know. It's called Her Summon again. I just want to mention it. If anyone's interested, if anyone has watched it. It's not like an insane story, but it's something that kept me really interesting for the past couple of days. So I really enjoyed it. All right, what about you, Nikhil? Um, oh, man. Well, I didn't watch anything. I didn't watch or read anything that intense. Um, actually, I did. I recently finished watching uh, Great Teacher Oniz- Onizuka. Uh, on Classic. on these uh, I don't know how to say it, and it's really good, but the first five episodes are really problematic. So like, it's very um, it will not fly in this day and age, without a doubt. You don't think it um, will be made at least in this day and age? A, a reboot, a potential reboot is definitely possible. But what about just... the way it was released? Because I, I, I recently came across something similar like Connor, right? I watched it's a Nicholas Cage film from 1997 and I don't think that movie would ever have been greenlit to be made right now with the kind of comments that they make in there. Is it like I mean, that? Where it's really sensitive like, stuff? Yeah, I mean, they, they like the, the, the main pro tag, while he's a good guy, he like he like constantly makes sexual remarks about underage girls. It's kind of weird. Yeah, that's um, And like, it gets kind of icky. Uh, but the show itself is really, 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 really good. It deals with issues of mental health, suicide, depression. It's amazing. I mean, if you look at it, Mal, if you look at the top 100, I think it's number 25 or something. It's, like, up there. It's a very good show. It's just, like, the first five episodes are very hard to get through. Um, I would highly recommend it. I think it's very good. I just think, like, it's very hard to get through, and I think reading it might be better. Um... Just know that when you, if you, if anyone does end up watching or reading it, it's a little problematic at the beginning, and that makes it a little tough to watch. Um, 
But I, I'd recommend it. I honestly recommend it. Especially when it talks about like themes of suicide and stuff and bullying. and It was actually quite amazing. Um, and I really did feel like, in, to some degree, the show was ahead of its time. And so it, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I really liked it. And, I mean, barring the first three episodes, four episodes, and I would highly recommend it. I also am thinking of watching Fire Force, but I'm not sure because I know that show is bad. But I like it. About it. <laughs> um, I know you like it, but I can't take the... Fan service? I, the fan service is annoying to me, and I can only take so much fan service in a show. Um, and so I'm debating whether I want to watch it or not right now. It's very touch and go. If you can convince me later after this to watch it, I'll watch it. But I'm not, I'm not very, I'm not like, it's not high on my priority list right now. Season two is better than season one. That's about also, interesting. <laughs> also, okay. I watched a very guilty pleasure anime that I absolutely loved, but it's guilty. Pro- it's it's kind of guilty pleasure. So like. I'll I'll talk to you. It, it's nothing like weird. It's actually super wholesome, but it's like also like kind of guilty pleasure. So I'll talk to you, Francisco, about it after this. Wait, why why don't you just mention it here? What? Well, it's a little embarrassing, but uh, what? No way. A little embarrassing, but I watched uh, Love Is Hard for an Otaku, and I actually really liked it. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was so cute and sweet. And, like, I really enjoyed it. And, like, it was super relatable. So, like, I think it was really... A cool. lot of people really like this. This is the one with the freaking TikTok, um, the TikTok video in the OP, right? Is it? I don't... I don't okay, so TikTok. they have this... No, okay, no, it's, it's TikTok vibes. Um, they do this weird... The two couples do this dance, and it looks like it would be a... Uh, it would blow up on TikTok is what I'm trying to say. Oh, do you know what I'm oh, saying? Oh yeah, I mean, I just think it's a cute show. Like, I think it's yeah. very relatable, and I think it's very cute. I like it. I like it a lot, actually. Yeah. So I it's watched that. Base. I was reading yeah. it a long time ago. I saw a couple of episodes. I think I might have seen all of it. Um, I think the creator is problematic, from what I hear. About. Oh well, that's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, right. That's about it. Uh, <laughs> that hurts. Uh, I really like the show. They help. I was actually gonna buy the manga <laughs> um this last week, but. I did it. What? That's whatever. That's really sad. It's a cute show. There's no denying that. And then, uh, oh my god. Ooh, I have a lot. Uh, and then I've been watching my my dailies, so I'm watching uh, the <laughs> the Dumb Princess show. I love that show. Bakarina? Bakarina. Yeah. I'm watching Kobayashi. I'm watching... Uh, I dropped... Um, the vampire ba- one. Banita. I saw episode yeah, one Banita. yesterday. <laughs> oh, you did? Did you like it? I don't know. I don't. I mean, there was two episodes that I just didn't watch the second one. So it's. I don't know. I kind of dropped it. I got kind of bored of it. Uh, the uh the real life show I love. It's honestly my favorite. It's the show I look forward to in the week, the most. So I loved it. Uh, watch that. And then I'm also reading, and this is, okay, wait, this is huge. I'm reading Chojin X, and Chojin X is so good. Like, first of all, Francisco, I'm very glad you put me onto it. I think it's amazing. I think it has, one, insane potential. Like, insane potential. But two, if anyone, like, anyone is a fan of Tokyo Ghoul, or the Tokyo Ghoul art, which is literally beautiful, you will like Chojin X. It's so interesting. It's so cool. And, like, it's not, like, broken, 
in terms of power scaling, and it's balanced almost perfectly. And it has such like Tokyo Ghoul vibes, but like it's not Tokyo Ghoul. It's like very, it's much more like supernatural and like One Piece like, but it's like Tokyo Ghoul. It's like if Tokyo Ghoul met One Piece and met Hero Aka, like that's what it's like. But it's so good. It's so good. I really, really, really like it. Like, in fact, I, I like it so much I want to do an episode on it eventually. After There's like, it's like after four like, chapters though. Yeah, once 20 or 30 chapters come out, we'll figure it out. But definitely, definitely get on it. It's uh, four chapters out. They're all free. Really easy to read. It's on Fizz. Um, I like it a lot. Newest chapter smacked. So chapter four when he meets that uh one that that one gal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, snake. Yeah, snake, snake gal. She's a. I just love it. I mean, she's promiscuous, going off with the whole, the whole snake vibes. That's pretty cool. And then, <laughs> and then the the last panel is just, just funny. I I really like Children too. It's um it's laps. We're only having four chapters anyway, so get on it. We're we'll doing an episode. Uh, probably when one of the more major arcs, when the first major arc finishes. Yeah, I think that's a good time to do it. Yeah, because like right now it's just our it's really initial. Yeah, it's just our initial opinions on it, right? But I I really enjoy it. I I like it a lot. Uh, also reading um the Red Hood one. The Hunter Guild Hunter Red Hood. Still reading it. I committed to it, so I'm going to continue reading it weekly. Does it slap as much as Children? Probably not. No, definitely not. Children was insane. Uh, this is okay. Children's only had bangers. Children only, like, every chapter was so good. Uh, I'm also reading um, uh, Jungle Juice, which I really, really, really like. I have to I read that. It's reading, uh, uh, some other power solo leveling type show. Uh, Manwa, I'm reading Soul Leveling, and so I'm looking for. I'm actually looking for new stuff right now. I'm 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 in an odd place at the moment where I just finished Odd Taxi, and I don't really have anything to read or watch. So definitely looking for some new stuff at the moment. Uh, I've been snooping around. Uh, there's a show that I really wanted to watch, but the art style is a little like put me off a little. But the show looks absolutely incredible, and it reminds me very heavily of Kyosugiga. So I might take a look at it. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you're watching it. What is I it? Forgot. I might watch it. Uh, <laughs> you, you've definitely watched it. I forgot the name, which is really frustrating. Um, Wait, you know I watched it? If you haven't heard of it, I'd be surprised. Uh, oh, okay. I just I forgot the name, which is really frustrating. I had it as a tab on my phone for like literally the last three weeks. I just deleted it like a few days ago because I just rough. didn't know if I was going to watch it or not. Um, How are you going to find it then? I don't know. Maybe it'll come up one day, and I'll be like, "Huh, this is the anime I was gonna watch." After this, we'll talk. Okay, but although, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna suggest if you wanted to read something, da dan 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 da dan da dan. Oh yeah, you mentioned that one. Yeah, I think it has a problematic first chapter, but it doesn't hit the point where it, you know, it's just awkward, but it's not to the point where you would, you know, drop it because of your rules or whatnot. And after that, it's been a couple of chapters, and nothing of that kind of level has happened since oh that just actually reminds me two anime i wanted to watch was death parade and um the one that's super gory where they go to hell and like one of the dudes just becomes satan it's like weird oh um, devil cry, no that's devil they, don't cry to, baby. they don't go to hell on that one but it's yeah it's gory yeah i see i didn't know if it like 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 went across any of my rules, so I didn't like bother watching it. But I actually kind of want to watch them. So we'll see. Uh, it's very 
dark and there's definitely a lot of sex nudity and stuff like that so it's not afraid to go there and i'm sure it's one of those situations where humans are in the apocalypse and what do animals do they just i think rick and morty made an episode about they just fuck right <laughs> it's just it's crazy um it's old right it's old this so this oh, readaptation yeah. this um new reimagining of the entire series is really cool because some of the i mean berserk was inspired by devil and cry baby and you can actually see a lot of the um similarities with the ending of devil and cry baby in, in the eclipse situation of berserk and the whole situation with griffith and guts are very reminiscent of the two main leads in devil and cry baby which is really great i i enjoyed it i don't think i have the guts to rewatch it again Oh man, was it like that much? It's out there. I mean, maybe I'm just pansy. I don't know. But the music slaps. Uh, <laughs> what else can we say? Yeah, I mean, if you watch it, I'll, I'll be open to maybe having an episode on it. Yeah, it's an anime I feel like I have to prep myself to watch because it looks very intense. So I'm thinking about it. It's on, it's on the mind. It's on the mind. It's only 10 episodes. I can literally watch it in a day if I really want to. So maybe when I'm in a good mood, I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, those are all the stuff I'm planning to watch or thinking about watching or I'm looking at. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's it. Yeah, that's 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 what's happening with me right now. Wait, that works. Okay. All right, that's it for this episode. Uh, look forward to whatever we might be popping up next. Or, yes. No. Uh, we'll have something out in the next month. Sorry about the uh, you, slow YouTube uploads. Unfortunately, we had a file complaints about uh from youtube about us so just making sure that we're kind of cleared for that um but we'll be uploading on youtube shortly uh again sorry for the wait and as usual please check us out on youtube we're on youtube we're on twitter on um we're on you can find all our different links to all our like our social our podcasts on uh youtube for those interested you can just look us up uh anime house when you see that, RDC World uh, videos will pop up. They're great, but unfortunately, we are not affiliated with RDC World. Fingers crossed. Uh, Mark, if you see this, we'd love to be affiliated with you guys. But unfortunately, we are not. And as such, we'd recommend looking us up by our, uh, one of our episodes. Uh, a popular way of doing it is just looking up Anime House Demon Slayer. Uh, and then our first episode will pop up. You can check out our channel there. Uh, and as usual, we are on literally every platform, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play Music. We are on literally everything. If you need a way to get to us, we're on Twitter. Please tweet out to us. We'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, yeah, that's what's up. All right. Yep. Take care, everyone. Bye.